0: И если немцы хотят они её La lucha armada es el único camino para la liberación. Patria o muerte. un the dome,
1: the war in the future. There are some who demand where is the The regardez dans vos
0: assiettes quand vous mangez. They're repressing people of color all over the world and on a local level, the police, the police, repressing the white revolutionaries as well as the black. And the reason that this class over here has never done anything to get this class off his back, because this is lower, this is upper, this is the oppressed, this is the oppressed. The to and
2: the
0: cheap labor taken out of these countries. These countries are not underdeveloped; they're overexploited.
3: Hello, everybody. You're listening to Revolutionary Lumpen Radio. I am your host and comrade Shibby, the Marxist Lumpen. In this episode, I'm just going to share a Twitter Space titled. Israeli government interference in Palestine action cases by Palestine action on X This obviously affects me because I've got cases with Palestine action and unquestionably the interference is gonna have a factor and I think I've seen it already in my case and other actionist cases but anyway, I have my say in the Twitter space hope you enjoy and learn a lot and support palestine action you can do so at palestineaction.org and anything to do with us you'll find our link to you in the show notes or support us on patreon at patreon.com slash lumpen podcast
4: okay all right well thank you everyone for joining i'd like to say from the start so obviously this is about an article that just came out today From the Guardian, which was revealed information about the Israeli embassy uh, and the, well, who are basically the Israeli government, uh, influencing and having meetings with the attorney general's office, basically in an attempt to uh, interfere in the prosecution of Palestine action cases. If some of you may know, if you've been following us for a while, we take direct action against Israel's largest weapons firm, who had 10 sites in Britain when we started, several factories, offices, where they are essentially building weapons which are battle-tested, marketed as battle-tested on the captive population of Gaza, uh, which are being built here and exported to oppressive regimes across the world. So rather than appealing to the powers that be, Palestine Action decided to take direct action, which involves blockading their gates, climbing onto their roofs, sometimes breaking inside and destroying their weaponry. And we've seen in, since it's been over three years now since Palestine Action launched, and we've seen in that time Elbit being forced to shut down a huge weapons factory in the town of Oldham in the north that was at the start of last year we saw in the summer of last year albert were forced to abandon their london headquarters and that they've been kicked out of contracts worth over with hundreds of millions of pounds as a result and obviously through this process many people have gone to court some people have gone to prison and what we have what this information now shows is that the israeli embassy has been getting involved in the prosecution of these cases and lobbying the Attorney General's office. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Attorney General is a political body, so to speak, who have the ability to prosecute people, bring about prosecution. Sometimes cases are referred to them, and they decide whether or not to prosecute, as we've seen in some cases. So I'm just going to run through some of the information that was exposed. There is some in The Guardian but there was more information. You can see the full disclosure of the documents as well on our website at forward slash Israeli-interference. Now, one of the things that, that, that was raised in this is that the Israeli Embassy, the Attorney General, was re- reassuring the Israeli embassy that they were passing legislation which would prohibit some protests. And that was specifically the PCSC bill, very controversial, lots of protests here in Britain against it, uh, which has now been passed, which basically aimed at uh, trying to crack down on dissent. And this was discussed with the Israeli government before it was passed as legislation in this country. Uh, Another thing they talked about was the gravity of the situation as in the gravity of Palestine actions, actions against these Israeli weapons manufacturers. And you can also see uh, throughout inside the documents, they talk about the Colston case and how this case, this precedent, can reduce the scope of defences for people uh, in Palestine action. So for those of you who don't know, basically the Colston case was a case where uh, some people in Bristol toppled the statue of a slave trader. They went to Crown Court and they won. They were charged with criminal damage. And the Attorney General uh, appealed the case. They didn't appeal their acquittal because they can't. They appealed the fact that they had defences. And in this appeal, the judgment basically differentiated between private and public property. And essentially, the judgment made it very difficult for people in Palestine action to argue based on uh, the Human Rights Act that they are not guilty of these crimes. And this was discussed with the Israeli government before uh, this judgment actually came out in uh, near the end of last year. We can also see inside it that the uh, the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs invited the chief prosecutor, of the Crown Prosecution Service. Uh, so they invited them to a conference aimed at European jurists. Now, for those of you who don't know, the CPS uh, are the body that brings about prosecutions in this country. So we can clearly see there some attempts at influencing them. And another really, uh, I say interesting, but uh, quite um, daunting thing that came up in it is a discussion of a joint declaration now this joint declaration isn't public anywhere and it's talking about a joint declaration between the ministry which involves the ministry of justice in the uk and the israeli ministry of justice now the ministry of justice in this country is supposed to be responsible for prisons of which we have two people now in prison at the moment as we're talking Um, And they're supposed to be responsible for the court system and the criminal justice system. And in this, they actually deliberately refer to um, aligning on situations such as criminal law and other types of law that is is in this country. Uh, So we can clearly see throughout this correspondence that was received, these deliberate attempts by the Israeli government to interfere. Now, Many of you who are listening will probably not be surprised by that concept about the Israeli lobby operating in this country. Um, But one thing I would say is that the criminal justice system is supposed to be one of the only remaining bodies which is supposed to be completely independent and free from political influence. Uh, That's because essentially they're prosecuting people and throwing them in prison, so they shouldn't be able to have political influence in this country in what they say is uh, a barrier to a democracy. It's actually in the CPS's own guidelines that they're not supposed to be influenced by any outside political body, let alone a foreign apartheid state. Um, Another thing that came up in this correspondence is, is... Israel was basically requesting for some Israelis to get special mission uh, immunity. Now, many of you might have heard of diplomatic immunity. That's where diplomats who come uh, to countries can be free from criminal prosecutions while they're here. But this special mission immunity seems to be um, not for diplomats, but for other Israelis who might be coming over here. And they actually specifically, this is the Attorney General's office, refer to guidance on war crimes against humanity um, and, and basically reassure Israel that even if they do fit into the criteria of committing war crimes, that people can come over if they fill in, do some procedure and they can get some special mission immunity. And if they can't be bothered to do that procedure, they just need to send an email two weeks before they come. Um, so ironically, we have, it's a, we're being shown that people in Palestine action who are taking direct action to halt the production of Israeli weapons in this country, uh, to, to take direct action against the war crimes Israel is committing against the Palestinians, is being prosecuted and those prosecutions are being influenced by the Israeli state, while the same people acknowledge that Israel is committing war crimes, are giving them special mission immunity so long as they let them know two weeks before they come in an email. That's the, that's the situation here. But what's uh, interesting is the uh, response by the Israeli embassy to the Guardian article, where they basically refer to us as a severe attack on entities related to Israel. Uh, now, I think to be honest, I think we will take that as a as a compliment um, from them, as as that is exactly what we are aiming to do is to be a severe disruption to the Israeli war machine in this country. Um, so they basically admit the extent of their fears of Palestine action operating in this country, and I think we can see throughout this that. Having, you know, having a foreign apartheid state interfering in prosecutions in Britain is an insane concept, even if it not ne- doesn't necessarily surprise people. Um, we shouldn't necessarily become immune to the corruption that is happening, especially when the corruption uh, is affecting people who are some of the, some of whom are being uh, put into the prison system in this country. As a result of following lobbying by the Israeli state, a foreign apartheid state, but one thing I would say is that it does show exactly how much um, impact Palestine action is having, and that if our if the Israeli government feels fit to interfere in our cases, the same government who interferes and locks up Palestinians on administrative detention, without charge or trial, forces Palestinians out of their homes, massacres Palestinians, keeps them in an open-air prison in Gaza, uh, then we know we're on the right side of history, and we're on the right side of this uh, situation. But what I would like to say as well is that this the state now, by law, the CPS, and this has been posted on our Twitter, there was a under their general principles, they say that they should be completely independent from political influence or undue pressure. And if they are not, then they are are doing an abuse of process, which means that the prosecutions against us are completely illegitimate. I mean, we already knew this because it's not in the public interest to prosecute us. It's in the interest of protecting an Israeli weapons manufacturer. But now they are being directly influenced all of these prosecutions should be dropped according to their own general principles. Um, But I want to hear from some people who are in Palestine action, who've been going through the system, and also some journalists. We've got Asa and Stanley here. Uh, Maybe we can start with you, Asa, because I know you've done a lot of work on the Israeli lobby, on what you think um, some of the implications are of this information coming out um or coming out and your thoughts and your thoughts on this, if you can accept being a speaker. And I'd also ask if people can share this as far and wide as possible so we can get as many people on this call. Uh, another thing is that you can say... okay, go ahead, Asa.
5: Hi, hi everyone. Um, can you come back to me in five minutes? Is that all right? Yeah, Sorry. sure. I'm here um, listening.
4: No worries. I'll pass on to uh, Ronnie, if you're happy to speak. Um, And I'd just like to add that one of these emails, one of these meetings was actually during uh, yours and Stavitz's imprisonment in British jails. And that is when the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs invited the Chief Crown Prosecutor to Uh, meeting on European jurists. So I just want to get your thoughts.
2: Uh, I'm not in in the best place to speak at the moment, uh, but sending uh, hugs from Palestine um can you give me uh i'll just mention that cp Livni, who is mentioned in the article which i'm reading right now uh, is not only a war criminal who is responsible for the massacres of 2008 and 2014 she's not also a former uh, mossad operative former deputy prime minister former minister of justice former other ministers ministries um She was also recently elected to be director of Elbit Systems. Uh, And uh, the person who blocked the attempt to take Tzipi Livni to court for war crimes in the UK was Keir Starmer when he was director of the public prosecution at the time in 2011. I'm sorry I can't uh, speak much at the moment. I can get back to you later.
4: No worries. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Liam, you're on this space. Um, would you like to speak about doing FOI requests and some of the information you can get out? I've just invited you to be a speaker. Uh, but whilst I wait, I just want to direct people to... Um, actually, I should be able to post it as a comment. I'll do that. to our To the article on our website, which actually includes the full correspondence so you can see it for yourselves, basically. Um, another thing that's mentioned inside this, this correspondence and uh, is the fact that they refer to sharing further information, uh, which insinuates that they've been sharing some information to begin with, um, which is in a whole different other ballpark if information about activists is being actively shared between our government and the Israeli government. But one of the interesting things as well is that there was first an FOI request sent to the Attorney General's office and they sent some of the information, but a lot was redacted. Uh, Then there was a review and then they disclosed some more information. It is being chased up at the moment to get more correspondence because they did... Um, exclude things which should have been included within the response um, so we'll see if we can get that information out in in the near future but one of the reasons they said that they won't um, reveal all of the information is because it will jeopardise relations between the UK and Israel it, and that that's not in the public interest um, but obviously I think it's definitely clear that it is in the public interest, especially when it's related to activists operating in this country against Israeli weapons manufacturers uh, across, on our doorsteps, in our towns and cities. No one consented to the presence of these Israeli weapons factories. That's why we take direct action to stop them, to shut them down repeatedly, um, and it is a necessary act for us to do so. And then when we are forced into trial, we're up against a system which is, which is basically uh, meeting up with the Israeli government who are perpetuating apartheid in the first place and are the reason we have to go to court uh, in, in the first place. But I think one of the very clear things from this is it just shows even further, why the democratic process is completely futile and why we have to take direct action. You know, this government, the British state, has been complicit in the colonisation of Palestine for over 100 years, starting with the Balfour Declaration, signing away the land of Palestine, to having British soldiers on the ground in Palestine, to today having Israeli weapons manufacturers all across our country building these weapons which are used to massacre and commit genocide against the palestinian people okay i think we can have liam on who will talk about what you can do in terms of research go ahead liam Hi hey. yeah go for hey
6: i'm um, sorry everyone there's some t- technical difficulties and on top of that i'm f- not feeling um right as rain but i uh I wanted to join the space just to talk about the Freedom of Information Act and how you can request things from yourselves. So there's, as as Huda said, there's obviously a lot of information out there that we do not yet have access to. Um, Obviously, the government in all the different departments is very keen to keep uh, evidence of Israeli interference as private as possible. Um, But we know just based on the fact of uh, what has been disclosed to us in this one request, that there is a lot more information out there that speaks to the Israeli embassy and private Israeli bodies trying to interfere in, in British politics and British court cases. And so what I wanted to say on this space is that if there's anyone listening who would like to get involved with this kind of research, there is the Palestine Action Researchers Group, um, which will be undertaking a lot of freedom of information investigations to try and uncover um, the extent of Israeli interference in the British judicial system. And anyone who maybe doesn't know, the Freedom of Information Act is uh, a piece of legislation that allows um, individuals in this country to gain access to, to, to government documents and government activity. And in this case, To to find this information that has now been put in this Guardian report, what we ask for is correspondence between uh, the Attorney General's office and the Embassy of of Israel. And correspondence alone, there's a lot more scope for these kind of investigations. You can ask for correspondence between whatever body you like, the, the Home Office, the Attorney General. Uh, the Foreign Office, any government department whatsoever, and any private body, you can say, I-, I want to find your correspondence between between these parties. But there's more more than correspondence. You can ask for, for meetings. Um, you can ask for anything whatsoever. The Freedom of Information Act is a really brilliant tool for people who are trying to do these investigations. So if there is anyone who's in this space who is interested in um, trying to uncover uh, the extent of these relationships, then um, I'd encourage you to join the Palestine Action Researchers Group. Um, there's a form that I believe Huda is, is on our website. If that if it's if it's live yet, um, and please fill in the form, um, and then we can continue to try and um, uncover these things that are being attempted to keep be kept concealed right now.
4: Thank you for that. You can. Um... If you want, you can comment with the view link of the form in that little comment purple button at the bottom of the phone.
6: OK, that's a great idea. I'll put that in now. Um, and anyone who signs up uh, will speak pretty shortly. OK, brilliant. Brilliant. All right. Well,
4: um, I guess I'll continue talking about Israeli interference. So I just want to give some history in Palestine action. So when we started, actually, just a few weeks after the launch of Palestine Action, there was a meeting between Dominic Raab, who was the foreign foreign minister, the foreign minister of this country at the time. And he met with the Israeli Ministry of Strategic Affairs and Benny Gantz, who was Israel's defence minister. And basically, in this meeting, Israel had requested that they crush Palestine action. Um, and when some of us saw this, we were quite excited, to be honest, because we could see that the Israeli government was fearful of the power of direct action. And that they and that, you know, in all of our years of doing other types of activism, to get such a strong response so quickly meant that we understood that we were on the right track. And there were so many different Angles to this of information that we are getting piece by piece of this background involvement by the Israeli government in these cases. But I think, all in all, always our priority is standing in solidarity with the Palestinian people. And through this information and information like this being revealed and the actions being taken against Elba Systems and other complicit companies in this country not only are we able to directly disrupt them from operating and to shut them down, as we have done in Oldham and in London permanently, but also we can further expose just how complicit Britain is with the apartheid state of Israel and expose that to the public. And this new level of them actually having the audacity to interfere in the prosecution of our cases In one of the only remaining bits of this country, which is supposed to remain completely independent, even from influence from our own government, is now being influenced by a foreign apartheid state. And just to give some context as to what could be the repercussions of this um, and what has happened to activists by the state, which is being influenced by the Israeli government, Uh, We have had examples of people uh, being raided routinely. We've had examples of people being uh, kept in prison for these actions. We've had judges in court, in a crown court in this country, talk about Hamas and rockets being sent from Gaza rather than mentioning the indiscriminate killings and massacres and genocide and dispossession of the Palestinian people being committed by the Israeli government. We have seen Elbit Systems lawyers being paid 200 pounds or however much they're getting paid to sit inside our court cases and in the middle of the court cases, tell the CPS how they should be going about the prosecutions. In one case, in one such case, it was in December or November last year in a Crown Court in London. And the CPS admitted to some basic, basic facts about what Elbit does, agreed facts between the defence and the CPS. And these facts were Elbit is an Israeli weapons company who makes drones which are used to kill Palestinians. I mean, this stuff is on Elbit's own website. And they weren't happy. Elbit weren't happy about this. So halfway through the case, they told Elbit told the CPS that they have to deny that it, that Elbit is a weapons company. So suddenly, halfway through this case, the CPS is going up and saying to the defendants as they're speaking, to the actionists as they're speaking, we don't accept that. We don't accept that, even though it's on Elbit's own website. It's all over all of their propaganda. These weapons are battle tested. They have all of their weaponry or most of their weaponry on their own website. But they can't allow a British prosecution system to even admit those basic facts. Thankfully, despite that, the activists still won their court case and they were all found not guilty. But when a lot of this, from what we've seen from this correspondence, started happening is in a period of time where activists weren't getting convicted. They were winning court cases. They had some defences. Recently, that has changed. And there has been uh, more of an attempt to reduce the ability for activists to have defences in court, uh, more of an attempt to silence activists who are in court from from, um, from arguing on the basis of the crimes that this company is committing. And this is even mentioned within this document about reducing the scope of defences for activists. <clears throat> so we can see just how much they are uh, interfering in these cases. But I think we'll hear from Richard, who um, who's been charged with conspiracy to blackmail Maybe you could just talk about some of the events that led up to that and the repercussions of being charged with blackmail.
7: OK, yeah, yeah thank you. Um, Huda's already touched on um, the very start or the first few weeks when Dominic Rab met with Benny Gantz and other Israeli officials. And I remember at the time, um, she was, like, super excited about that. And I was super scared. I was like, oh, fuck, what have we done? Um, but Huda was like, no. This shows that we're on the right path and we're doing the right thing. And therefore, when we hear of this and when this expose come out, when we know what they're doing in back rooms, I just want to start this by saying we know that we stirred up the hornet's nest. We know that this means that we're on the right track. Yeah, they don't do these things if you're not working. If the thing you're doing is ineffectual, they won't be trying to do these things. We've seen that time and time again again in the Palestinian cause within this country and, and externally, but we also see that in other movements from the past. The other thing that struck me just personally was, wait a minute, wait a minute, really you're asking for immunity for people from prosecution of war crimes? Yeah, You're literally asking for that when some of my friends have been put in prison, when I've been personally stopped under Schedule 7 of the Terrorism Act whilst coming into this country. Um, and it just makes me ball over and ever more determined that we will win this fight against the Israeli arms trade here. When you hear that and see how the, the underhand tactics that they try and think, try and use. Um, and just to flesh out that a little bit more in terms of the Schedule 7 stop, which again was was, was near the start of Palestine action, Um, You know, and undoubtedly, this was part of this whole tactic of the Israeli lobby asking for these things to happen um, and forcing the the British police, although I'm sure they like stopping people as much as possible um, under Schedule 7 and then asking a ridiculous load of questions to to both of us. But noticeably, the questions that they asked me in their, their kind of good cop, bad cop way of trying to do it, including saying, oh, it's nice to have stopped someone like you i.e. meaning a white person um, and um, these, these kind of like racist tactics that they use. Um, and then further on, as we've said, that then precipitated by a blackmail charge that we're facing um, and due to go to court in the middle of November of this year, which, again, has been pretty unprecedented since uh, o- at least over 10 years since an activist has been charged for blackmail um, in this country. From the Shat campaign and, and the upping of the charges that we've also seen in other cases and and even the way that if you think about this meeting between the Crown Prosecution Service and Israel when you see some of the language that the prosecutors have used, who has already touched on that. If you look at the um, our comrades in Wales who um, have all thankfully now been released from prison, but the news reports even reported on the prosecutor saying this was like a terrorist attack, and this is really, you know, showing how this influence is trying to seep in to our criminal justice system with inflated charges, stops, um, terrorism stops, and the way that they're trying to do it. But you know what? But this doesn't stop anyone. This doesn't stop anyone. So they can make as many, when they make as many back deals in the background, in their smoke-filled rooms, when they make any deals in, um, um, to try and influence court proceedings. We must remember all the way through that we're entering that phase where they no longer ridicule us, but they try and oppress us. But we know that we're entering that next phase when more people come out, when we use different tactics, when we go ahead and we know that we are entering the phase when we win our struggle as part of the um, overall struggle that the Palestinians um, will sooner rather than later be free. Thank you.
4: Thank you for that um, powerful contribution. I've just, so the the link I put down before wasn't working, but I'm just reposting the link to the press release on our website, which does include um, a full, a link to the full disclosure that we are talking about at the moment. Okay, for some reason it's not letting me post it, but for those who are on the call, it's palestineaction.org forward slash Israeli dash interference. That's palestineaction.org forward slash Israeli dash interference. Um, okay, thank you for that contribution. And to be honest, I completely agree. Uh, knowing that this is the lens that they're going to uh, makes me and so many others filled with more confidence and determination to fight our cases to make sure this is known to a jury and whatever the repercussions at least we know that we are on the right side of history and as you said the fact that they are openly talking about giving uh, Israelis special mission immunity so that they won't be prosecuted for crimes against humanity I say crimes against humanity and that was actually the attorney general's office's own words They referred to it as crimes against humanity and sent them the criteria to be prosecuted against this and told them that as long as they sent an email two weeks before, before traveling here, that they would be okay and that they wouldn't get prosecuted, whilst at the same time making all of these efforts to throw uh, activists in prison for disrupting the war machine. And we know the system is upside down, um, as we've seen in countless historic um, social justice struggles and the only way you win is by continuing the fight, continuing the steadfastness and refusing to bow down and stop Um, because they are going to do everything possible to put as many obstacles in our way. Um, And I think the fact that they have to resort to such backdoor tactics shows their desperation Um, and the fact that they feel like they can use their diplomatic diplomatic uh, ties to exert influence, which obviously we do not have access to the um, to, to, to the same level of of power or influence, but we do have rights we are on the right side of things, and we do have the people on our sides in countless communities in communities like Leicester in Oldham, and in other places we 've seen hundreds of people come out in the local community and take a stand against these weapons manufacturers. Uh, For example, in Leicester, there's been an ongoing siege against the weapons manufacturer there called UAV Tactical Systems, who have um, numerous export licenses to the Israeli state, and where they're building drones, which have been battle-tested on Palestinians, and they openly boast about having been used in Iraq and Afghanistan and being used to surveil and try and stop refugees from seeking refuge in this country. And the fact that the state feels they have to go through such desperate lengths to protect an Israeli weapons manufacturer shows exactly what we need to do. In terms of lobbying, you know, we understand that lobbying efforts the past few decades have fallen flat. They've only increased their links. But we have shown through direct action that we can have a tangible impact on these industries in this country, as has been done in several places across the country. Um, Sarah, you're on this call. Do you want to talk about the siege in Leicester? Because I know you've been down there quite a bit. I'll have to invite you to speak. But please, if you haven't already, if you can share this space. Can you hear me Okay.
1: Yeah. Hello to everyone. Thank you for asking me to speak. Yeah, we're at the side of the road, literally, outside Leicester's Israeli arms factory. So there may be some traffic noise which uh, might drown me out. Uh, The siege outside this factory has gone on now. We're on our 111th day um, I haven't done all 111 days. I'm with somebody now who's probably done about 50% of that time. And between us, we have kept this siege outside this factory going at a great cost to the company. Allegedly around £30,000 a week is being spent on extra lighting, on extra surveillance, on extra dog units. Uh, yesterday we had police Uh, Sorry, the day before yesterday, police arrived with guns. That was the first time I've witnessed that. Uh, They have a direct line to the police. So if we so much as uh, step over their yellow painted line, they ring and the police are here within about two or three minutes. If we ring the police, they would take four days. So they have a special line to the police. They're being very protected by the British state in every form. Um, there have been no arrests since the beginning of May, but the police um, come down in quite high numbers, e- even if we do make the slightest sort of misdemeanor or we're considered to be blocking traffic or disrupting the factory. But it's having a massive impact on how the factory operates. Um, the security teams. Uh, I think it's uh, three times the amount of security guards that they normally have. We've got three different dog units come in uh, every day. And they used to have one guard on the gate. And now there's about four or five there every day. Two or three guards are inside the factory and you never actually see them. So they are securing the factory internally, but they never come out into the car park and they leave by the back entrance. It's all very secretive. And um, being here, uh, it may not look like we're doing very much, but actually we're raising a huge amount of awareness with the general public who are coming down and they're talking and the, the young people as well who aren't at school at the moment, they're coming down, they want to know what this factory is making. Um, And they want to know more about it. And so they come down and visit us quite a lot. So in in a small, trickling sort of way, we are reaching more and more people every single day that we're here. And um, we're getting a lot more cars honking as they go past. Taxi drivers are refusing to pick up from this area because they don't want to pick up people who work in Albert. And so we are making it known that they are very unwelcome in this city and we'll keep on doing it for as long as we can. Um, yeah, that's that's about it really. So if anybody's in the area, please come and join us. Um, you know, we're here day and night, there's always somebody here, so you'll never turn up and you'll be on your own. Um, it'd be really good if people can camp here and if you can't just come and spend an hour, come and, come and have a look, see what happens. The people who are going in and out of this factory, they're the most unpleasant you could possibly meet. They're all white collar workers. Um, The type that wouldn't look out of place in a Hollywood movie Um, in a sort of uh, um, a sort of Nazi movie, if I may say that. They are extremely unpleasant. And um, we even had one leave the factory gates and and, uh, kick over the one of our signs. It was really childish. Um, Yeah, really, really difficult to be outside here sometimes. And other times it's really easy. So it, it fluctuates. But it's having a massive impact. Albert are not liking it. They don't like the fact that there's Palestinian flags all the way up and down the street and that people are starting to realize that this is a factory that is making weapons despite that they deny it. They are making drones. They are making munitions and other components which go directly to um, the Israeli regime to then be used in Janine. Or there's huge lorries going past, I apologize, um, to bomb the Palestinian people. They're all... Um, You know, we we do see some types of haulage going in and out. Most of it is unmarked lorries, so you can't tell who they are or what company they are. It's all very secretive. Um, But the direct line to the police is uh, is the most um, noticeable thing, is how much effort the police are putting in to protecting them. They're protecting war criminals and people who, who literally make a living off killing And um, we know we're secondary to that. So, um, yeah, please come down if you're in the area and um, come and support us for a little while. That would be great.
4: Thank you, Sarah. And well done for for being outside there. Can you just chat a bit about what your response is to this stuff that's coming out now? And um, maybe you can talk about the fact that you won your court case actually based on the defense, which Israel um, was talking about the, you know, the the defence of proportionality with the Attorney General's office.
1: Well, yeah, when I when my co- I did my court case, uh, we did have an Elbit spy literally follow us all to the all the way to the train station, actually outside of the courts. Um, and my barrister was saying, well, this this person's costing Elbit two hundred pounds an hour to monitor your court case. And I did sort of think at the time, well, I, I wonder why they need to monitor it because Elbit are actually in the court case. Surely they don't need to, to hire a spy. And I think it's for possibly what has happened in the last couple of days after you used the Freedom of Information Act. This is why the Israeli spy was in the court case in the beginning. But when I won my court case, it was quite a while ago. And I think since then, Elbit has upped the stakes um, I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, I, I won the court case fair and square. I didn't have the difficulties that uh, defendants have got now. I was able to put up a defense. We were able to talk about the reasons why we supported Palestine, why we were against Elbit, why we felt that you know Elbit were war criminals and why they, they shouldn't be allowed to make their weapons, not only in this country, but in other countries as well. We were able to put up a defense. And it was because we were able to put up a defense that basically we won our court court case. So I think what has happened since then is Albert has said, right, well, if they're winning their court cases because their defence is true, that, it's kill- that we are killing people and we're never going to win a court case unless we somehow interfere and we stop them being able to use their defence cases. And I think this is why this has happened. Um, so, yeah, so in the early days, when, when you could win a court case fair and square where there was some justice, I don't think that that is possible now. And I think that's what's changed. The Elbit the spies took down enough information from every single court case, every single trial, every single uh, case hearing that they went to, made all their notes, put their notes together, and this is what they've come up with, you know, interference. So I'm not surprised, but maybe um, uh, if you hadn't have done the freedom of information request maybe we would never have known any of this. So, um, yeah, I I can't think really anything else to say about that because it was quite a long time ago. But I think in those days, being able to defend ourselves on the grounds that Elbit are murderers, they're war criminals, they're violating international law. By being able to use that defence, we were able to win our cases and, and now it's just got a bit tougher.
4: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. I think one of the things is that, you know, the the British justice system has to appear to at least try and appear um, to the public to be fair and to be just and to be independent. And I think even though we're completely aware of the antics Elba gets up to in terms of trying to lobby the prosecution service and now the Israeli embassy, trying to influence um, the prosecution of our cases, getting that information out in the first place makes it impossible for them to be able to put up this facade that this is a fair trial and it, it, it should force their hand to have to address the fact that they are being influenced, address the fact that that's completely illegal um, and an abuse of process in m- most of these cases that are happening um, at the moment and one of the things about trying to remove defenses from court cases which we're seeing in in a sizable number not all court cases but we are seeing in a lot now is that if you don't have defenses you can't make the same grounds of disclosure and some of the things we've been asking for is stuff which shows the fact that that israel's been interfering in these cases that shows the extent of albert's involvement with the genocide of the palestinian people so by trying to take away our defenses they are protecting themselves from this information getting out which i think it's so important that you know people join our research team uh, and, and help us in getting as much of this information out to the public to make it clear that we are aware what's going on, we will find out what's going on and we will expose them and we will shut them down at their weapons factories and that we're not gonna go down without a fight, whether that's when we're taking direct action or when we're in our court cases, refusing to plead guilty and making our case no matter what they try and throw at us. Um, That is what it takes to win and that's what this is part of being in a struggle. Uh, Stav, I wanted to hear from you. Um, you were in prison for a month in Britain, but whilst you were in prison, there was one of these meetings going on. How do you feel about the fact that while you were in prison, the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs was inviting the Chief Crown Prosecutor of the CPS to a meeting
8: aimed at European jurists? Hi. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Well, it comes as no surprise to me. Um, And I think there is a very clear conclusion that we can draw from this um, news and uh, the news of the interference. And that is that the apartheid warlords are scared of us. And they are scared of a couple of activists with some red paint and sledgehammers. And they are rightly um, they are uh, rightly, um, they, they surely can be afraid. And that's because um, the Zionist has no right in Palestine, never had a right in Palestine and never can have any right in Palestine. Apartheid Israel is based um, and was from its very inception built as a criminal colonial project and that, that has exactly zero legitimacy in Palestine. And that is why it is based on coercive power and colonial violence. And this is why it is so dependent on uh, private arms companies such as Elbit, that with their killer drones and their arms and steel and their uh, weaponry and machinery and their tanks, um, render um, render power to this completely illegitimate apartheid uh, project. So just in uh, 2022, the year in which Ronnie and our, and our fellow comrades uh, were spending time in jail, uh, Elbit System did...
1: This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today.
8: Uh, 5.5 billion dollars in revolu- revenues alone. And how much does it cost us To to buy some red paint or um, some sledgehammers. And so they are rightly, um, they are very right to be scared of us. And and, um, yeah, so it doesn't take much for us to completely uh, overturn the power balance against them. And I say let them tremble, let the apartheid master tremble at the prospect of Palestine action completely shutting down their evil cooperation. And um and beyond that, um let me just like um quote perhaps F- Franz Fanon who said that the time for talking has ended and the time for acting has begun.
4: That's beautiful ending. Thank you for that. And I will uh, put a link, hopefully a working link, in the comments, which is, you can click the button at the bottom of the screen, I think it's there, um, to see if you want to join any of our workshops. We have workshops every Wednesday at 7pm and Sunday at 3pm on uh, Palestine action, on taking direct action, and you can find out more about how you can get involved in the movement Um, through that link. And there's also the link to join our research team to help us expose further information of the antics that the Israeli government is getting up to whilst, as Stav said, whilst they tremble at the thought of Palestine action. I like that word a lot. Um, Okay, Asa, are you ready to speak?
5: Yeah, I'm ready to speak now.
4: Okay, go, go ahead. Thank you.
5: Well, um, yeah, it's really interesting to hear what everyone's been saying. Um, I think you've done a really good job to get hold of this uh, this correspondence and the freedom of information requests and everything. And I think, yeah, I mean, I agree with what people have been saying, that it's a sign that you're on the right track, really, and that it shows that they are afraid of you and that they are afraid of the strategy and it can win. And uh, you've been achieving these victories. I mean, it, it's really it's fascinating because it reminds me of what the Ministry of Strategic Affairs was doing in the Labour Party. You know, we saw with the Al Jazeera TV series that we, I think, probably most people on this Twitter space know about the the lobby, the, the four part series, undercover series in twenty seventeen, which showed the interference of the Israeli government, the Israeli state. You could say the Israeli deep state, I suppose, um, in the Labour Party, in all British political parties, um, but especially the Labour Party at the time, because at the time, of course, in 2016, 2017, it was highly contested territory. Um, And it is, like you said, Hodor, it's interference by a foreign apartheid state. In, In this case, in the British legal system, you know, and it's appalling. And it shows how far the Israeli state has really um, infiltrated the state in this country. Um, You know, you could refer to it as a form of state capture in a way. Um, Loki, uh, who we all, I'm sure most of us or all of us know, has uh, recently been putting it in a really interesting way, which is he's got this really useful analysis, I think, of um, what he calls the tripartite security state. Which has a massive amount of influence on public affairs, all spheres of life in this country, and that is, yes, the British intelligence services, um, the British deep state. Um, first of all, but and the Americans, of course, because you know we live under the British Empire doesn't exist anymore in a, in and of itself, but British British government still has um, imperialist policies within the context of the American empire, so the American deep state. But the third component of that, increasingly, and especially in the last couple of decades, is the Israeli state. And now we're seeing it actually influence the British judicial system. Um, It's not to say that the British judicial system is all sweetness and light, certainly not. And, you know, we see the increasing repression of activists in general at the moment um and um that uh but yeah i mean this this shows a real kind of insidious problem and you can only imagine that if these documents had shown that it was the russians interfering in the british judicial system or the iranians the story wouldn't have just been in the guardian it would have been on the front page of every newspaper really for weeks and months so this is a real problem I think in our society that we need to get to grips with. And I think you're right, Hudder, to point out that it's a foreign apartheid state doing this. And I know there's some people in some parts of the Solidarity movement who who are a bit are sort of afraid of that word, that it's a foreign state and that you know we shouldn't we shouldn't use that word to to describe Israel and um that, that that's not the problem with what they're doing. Um but, I, you know, I think it's just a matter of fact. I think it is, is a foreign state and, you know, it is a problem that a foreign state is having this kind of, um, it's a problem in and of itself that it's having this kind of subversive effect on public affairs in this country. And the fact that it's an apartheid state is, makes that even worse. So I think that is an issue and that it is a problem. Um, and it's uh, it was interesting to hear Sarah's analysis as well of this, and I yeah, I agree that, um, you know, we uh we need to make something of this. Sorry, I'm a little bit tired tonight. Um, I've been at the Beautiful Days Festival, um, and uh, yeah, I was speaking about my book there, so yeah, but it's, it's really interesting to hear this space. And um, thanks, everybody.
4: Thank you, it was great to hear your thoughts, and thanks for joining. Uh, hope you had a good time at the at the beautiful days um Yeah, festival. It was
5: good. Nice to see everyone and we had some interesting discussions. Um yeah, festival life is not exactly my scene, so it's <laughs> <laughs> so a bit knackered after it all, but yeah it was a really good experience. You've yeah. got to do it, you've got to do it time to yeah. time. But yeah.
4: yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Well I think um yeah I think just hearing you 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 speak on that and obviously talking about you've just come out with a a buck on the weaponization of anti-Semitism in the Labour Party and the level of Israeli lobbying that was going on um, behind the scenes. And of Mm. course we know that, you know, one thing is it's extremely difficult to get this information in the first place, but secondly, it is difficult to um, get this information published in anything relatively uh, mainstream in this country. So I am, grateful to the uh, guardian reporter Haroon Sadiq who did take this on um and 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 wrote the story. So I, do, I just encourage people to share it as much as possible to show that it is something that is a clearly wrong but also something that people are actually interested in. Um and I think Yeah, well
5: I suspect you may have had a role in, in, in pushing for that too, Huda. So um, <laughs> we're all grateful for you too for uh, no, making no, sure it's from me. <laughs> <laughs> Palestine action interference in the newspapers is something we can all get behind, I'm sure.
4: Yeah, yeah, um, and also, Asa, obviously, you covered a lot at the start when we were winning a lot of these court cases, right? So obviously, you remember that time when it yeah. was it was it was just court case after court case after court case. So do you think that that obviously had some impact, uh, as Sarah touched on on
5: this? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, you, you were headed for, you were headed for, I, I think Elbit was heading for collapse within the country, you know, in a very short space of time, unless there was, unless something changed, you know. And so, um, that seems to be what's happening now. You know, they're changing. And, and you know, it's not only about, you know, the Israeli interference is the only factor in all this, of course, you know, there's a wide, the wider context of, um, direct action in this country and you know the sort of general right wing backlash to um, you know the the government's when I say right wing backlash I mean the government really um, to uh, popular direct action like there was a massive amount of popular support for the Colston statue toppling you know and so mm. the fact that they they won their case although you know it was on it was, there was some differences there with um, your cases but um I think in the court of popular legitimacy, it's very similar in that respect. Um, but, um, you know, I think that obviously that whole context plays a role in it as well, the fact that, of of everything. But, mm-hmm. you know, we shouldn't be naive and think this kind, you know, again, there's some people in in the solidarity movement who say, well, you know, they probably would have done the same thing anyway if the Israelis weren't lobbying. I don't agree with that at all. I think it has a massive influence. Yeah. Know. And so these these kinds of things absolutely um play a big role and it's um it's very it's very opaque and this is just like a small glimpse mm. into what actually goes on behind the scenes and we only know really the tip of the iceberg
4: yeah, definitely it really is um probably the tip of the iceberg and I think something about this now something we've known for a long time is albert um Albert being as largest weapons firm. For those who don't know, um, their interference in our cases. We've seen them join up, you know, watch our cases. They always send someone there to watch and tell the CPS what to do. And we've had some situations where people have had their charges dropped. And then because Elbit are uh, seen as the, by the state as a victim, they have a right to review these court cases. So mm. they have been you know, sending these reviews into the CPS and the CPS just obey and then reintroduce charges, which they previously dropped. Um, But I think that, and you know, that is, that should be shocking enough that a, you know, an arms weapons manufacturer has that level of, you know, ability to influence the CPS. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Even if this is a, a system that's available for anyone to review, you know, if you're a victim of a crime, you know, how many people have been domestically abused or been victims of crimes yeah. or whatever? You know, exactly. they don't have access. They don't have access to the prosecutors in the same way that Elbit has access um, to the prosecutors. Yeah, Money so Talks. It's in that you know.
5: Yeah, Money Talks, you know, this is a, it's a hmm. corporation and, uh, you know, they, they have access to these kinds of things because uh, we live under capitalism. Yeah,
4: yeah, one hundred percent. But another thing, maybe Ronnie, you want to jump in on this. So another thing that we've seen, which I find pathetic and slightly amusing at the same time, is that Elbit have been, they've been, they've taken a different tactic in court. So what they're trying to do now is deny or try and uh, increase the distance between them and the Israeli government. And so they'll say, you know, we're a British company. We operate in Berlin, even though they're completely owned by Elbit Systems Israel, and they're an Israeli weapons manufacturer. So we have this situation where we've been taking such direct action against them. Their name's been completely tarnished. You know, you Google Elbit, Palestine Action comes up. You Google one of their subsidiaries, and the picture is someone on their roof, right? That's the, you know, in terms of the internet and what you can find out Um on, on Albert systems now. And 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 then you have an Israeli weapons company having to deny or try and deny that they're an Israeli weapons company. I mean it's 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 bizarre, but it shows how it's working. The fact that they are aware that the British public do not support that, and that they have to try and hide from that. So while they're trying to distance themselves and talk about how they work with the British Army, et cetera, et cetera, even though you know the whole basis of Albert systems, their whole business model is built on the destruction of Palestine they're able to develop these weapons on a captive population, sell them on to other governments and whether you're buying these weapons or selling them you're just as guilty right and then they're trying to do this whilst at the same time getting the Israeli government to interfere and to exert their diplomatic influence over the attorney general and by reference of these documents, the Home Office. We've seen them, you know, um, meeting with the Foreign Office as well when they met with Dominic Raab. So while they're trying to deny and distance themselves from being publicly associated with Israel or being associated with it in the court cases, they're sending the Israeli government out to do this lobbying and bidding on their behalf, Um, which, I mean, it just shows how... Uh, how full of hypocrisy and lies uh, they are. Uh, Ronnie, you've got a court case coming up. Do you want to talk a bit about what you did and maybe your thoughts on this, if you're able to speak now?
2: Mm, I can't speak much at the moment. Uh, Sorry about that. Uh, I will just say that the evidence to the, the extent to which Elbit works in tandem with the Israeli, uh, uh, with the military and the uh, other horrible, you know, apparatus of the, like, um, 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 security apparatus of the state, the, the extent to, to that of that is unbelievable. So, uh, for example, they have perfected uh, their drones, their quadcopters, to be able to carry a grenade launchers to uh, spread tear gas uh, on the demonstrators the non-violent demonstrators uh, in Gaza during the great march of return Uh, they have also retrofitted their quadcopters alongside with uh, the IDF to be able to carry warheads uh, again converting these quadcopters into targeted missiles basically Um, they have they have done so much ah maybe it's very important to mention <laughs> that in 2014 they have um, introduced the hermes 900 which is selling very well around the world they have done that um basically introduced a premature drone that was not yet market ready and they have made it marketable during the course of this so-called war the 51-day uh, assault on gaza but you had elbit personnel who were actually flying this drone, this UAV. They have made every takeoff and every landing, while next to them, the Israeli Air Force, were dropping the bombs. And we know that it was an Elbit drone, an Elbit UAV that has killed the Baker boys, the four boys on the beach in Gaza in 2014. We also know, to a high degree of certainty, that there was another drone involved, the Hermes 900, which was introduced only a day before. And that means that Elbit was flying that drone and Elbit was actively involved in the murder of the four backer boys and the uh, injuring, maiming of four other children from the same family. That is the extent to which Elbit is complicit and it's beyond complicity. They are actively carrying out crimes against humanity. The whole idea, as if Elbit Systems UK is not part of Elbit Systems, is outrageous on so many levels. You have the same directors, you have the same the shareholders, everything like you know, hundred percent owned. uh, All the subsidiaries in the UK are hundred percent owned by Elbit Systems. You have uh, people going back and forth. UK um, uh, employees being featured on the Elbit Israel website and magazine and whatever you have know-how, you have everything that you can imagine being shared. Uh, the training, the, the 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 you name it, they are doing it together. So um, I would say that Elbit Systems UK is just as much as part of Elbit Systems Israel, and Elbit Systems Israel is just is just as much a part of. The Israeli army. There's, you cannot even separate uh, all of those because of how embedded they are in that practice of, uh, as um, one general, Israeli general said, the the trick of turning blood into money. This is what he said. He was the general who was who was commanding the um, the Gaza region district and he said that, he coined that phrase, the trick of turning blood into money. That is, in a nutshell, what Elbit does.
4: Wow, thank you. Thank you for that. And obviously we know as well, in 2021, while Gaza was being bombed, that an Israeli general admitted, um, I don't know if admitted is the right word, I think they boasted more like, that Elbit Systems was working alongside them to conduct the attacks, on the Palestinian people. So not only are they arming the Israeli military, but they are also actively conducting the attacks with the Israeli military against the Palestinian people.
2: Yes, they have been and as I mentioned in 2014, they have been flying the very drones that were bombing the that were bombing people in 2014. Five hundred and fifty one children, eighty-nine families liquidated in fifty-one days of assault. Every single sortie was Every takeoff and every landing was done by Elbit when they were murdering these people, liquidating entire families. Uh, and By the way, uh, about involvement of Israel in uh, prosecution abroad, we know, Asa mentioned about uh, the Al Jazeera report about how the Ministry of uh, Strategic Affairs was involved uh, with different, uh, hiring different uh, law firms around the world uh, to do that on their behalf, but also Uh, Stavit and myself actually were taken to court in Germany on behalf of a former Prime Minister of Israel, uh, Yair Lapid, because uh, we interrupted one of his party members uh, when she was speaking. She was on a Hasbara mission in Berlin, in Germany, and in Berlin we interrupted her as she was uh, coming to uh, basically uh, do her Asbara, her anti-BDS, she was on an explicit on, on an explicit anti-BDS tour. And, and I stood up and I held the apartheid report in my hands, the UN report on apartheid by Killian Falk. And I told her that she was not a, a legitimate representative. She was a representative from criminal apartheid state. Later on, Stavit stood up and told her in Hebrew she has the blood of Gaza on her hands because she was part of those who decided and were acting uh, during the... I think I was cut out. Uh, And finally, after all of that, um, the her party member, her party, the head of her party, who became prime minister later, he was very much involved in uh, applying pressure on the Berlin mayor uh, to end on also another element in the system that some bureaucratic element in Germany, uh, maybe Stavit uh, can elaborate on that, and uh, that is what led to us uh, being taken to court uh, for um, kind of uh, silly accusations that uh, were actually not valid accusations to begin with, simply for standing up and telling a war criminal uh, that she's a war criminal. Oh, thank you. Thank you for
4: that. Yes, I remember being being there and um, admittedly not understanding what was being said as a result in, in German, but um, yeah, lots of us came over to, to support that, um, that trial in, in Germany. Aisa, did you want to jump in because I saw you unmuted?
5: Um Yeah, sorry. Um, no, I just wanted to briefly say that um, <laughs> it's really interesting how to hear how Elbit. UK has been trying to distance themselves from the mother company, as it were. Um, I suppose it's just a sign of the increasing unpopularity of Israel. Really, that so they're trying to they're trying to say they're just some poor little innocent British arms manufacturer. I suppose, um, yeah, it's a sign of their weakness. So it's good to kind of uh, accelerate those contradictions. Yeah,
4: definitely. There was actually another piece of information about. And um, it was about the export licenses from one of their subsidiaries, uh, UAV engines in Shenstone. And UAV engines make the engines for Israeli drones, right? So the Hermes 450 and the Watchkeeper drone, uh, etc. And um, they had actually gone out publicly and um, did this, do this pathetic hit piece, and said about how they were being constantly under attack how they had a calendar on their wall of every time Palestine Action took action against them, you know, which I would love to, I would love to see. And they talked about how, you know, they were British, et cetera, even though it was completely owned by Albert Systems, right? Um, Mm. And they were distancing themselves and they were saying, you know, the owners never come, et cetera, et cetera, and we supply, we don't supply Israel, right? So they tried to say this. And in this request, which was asking for their export licences to Israel by, for use by the Israeli government. Um, and this was sent to the Department of Trade. And the Department of Trade got in to contact with Albert. And they were directing them to tell them what exemptions they should use, how they should try and avoid getting this information out. And it took a year. Mm. It went to the Information Commission office. And then it came out that, that obviously there were export licences, that's come out. They were lying, obviously, but also that they had an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement with the Israeli government. So they were going out saying, oh, we don't do anything with the Israeli government, whilst literally having an NDA saying that they can't disclose what they do with the Israeli <laughs> government.
5: Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I know, I know.
4: Yeah. You, couldn't, you couldn't make this stuff up, could you? Um, mm. Yeah, I, I guess uh, I think throughout taking that action not only are we seeing the effects and local communities mobilizing um, but we're also seeing how how vulnerable these companies are um and how and how they actually are aware of the public's view against them and the attempts like you said they have to try and distance themselves from israel um, to try and save face in their in the communities that they that they are operating in
5: yeah, I mean, it's like I was saying before, I think that Elbit was headed for, I think there would have been a really sudden collapse in the country, mm. in the UK, you know, we were just, you know, the dominoes were starting to fall one by one, and so some something had to be done. So we're in this new phase now, and um, obviously, uh, I think you said earlier, there's two people in prison, two of your activists in prison right now, is that mm-hmm. right? yes yeah just two so and, and it's good to hear that the comrades in wales were released um so yeah um yeah i mean it's like richard was saying it's the old adage of um first they laugh at you and then they ignore you and then they fight you and then then you win and you're very strongly in the fighting phase so yeah that's great yeah it's great but you know it's just a question of how much repression is going to be faced you win, and that's uh, we'll see.
4: Yes, we will see, and I think we have uh seen um a lot of it with the imprisonment of some of the actionists. Um, we are hoping that the two that are inside should be released, should be released within the next month. Um, but we will we will see uh about that. But as you said, we did mm. have four activists in prison for several months who have just been released recently and they took direct action against an American weapons company, which people, most people hadn't heard of uh, called Teledyne. And they're actually listed as one of the main exporters uh, to Israel from the UK. They've got sites all across this country and the site that they hit was a, was a Welsh factory. Um, And actually in the trial, what came out was they were again, interestingly, coming out and saying and trying to deny their involvement with Israel. Um, and, you know, so several of these workers basically go up, perjure themselves, lie. And then the manager was forced to admit that, yes, these parts can be used in missiles. And yes, we just send them to another one of our companies who sends on to Israel. Mm. Um, so again, we can see how, how, how um, which I guess shows that it is, working is another method of showing how it's working when more and more of these weapons manufacturers know that uh, they need to try and disguise their relations with Israel because it is not popular
5: um, and because they will be targeted. It's a really interesting dynamic because it shows that Israel has no public legitimacy, really, in this Mm. country. I think, Um, unfortunately, I think that, there probably is a degree of public legitimacy for British arms manufacturers in a, in a large part of the population. Unfortunately. Um, but you can't say that for Israeli arms manufacturers. I mean, I think it, it shows that most people probably once there, which is why, you know, it's, it, it's kind of diff- why the British press, I think, to a large extent, chooses to sort of ignore you, really. Mm-hmm. Um to, in, a, in a way that they haven't ignored um, other direct action groups. Maybe that's a good thing, considering some of the British press's attitude to um, Extinction Rebellion and so forth. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 they sort of ignore it in an extent because they know you've got a lot of popular support, I suppose, and, um, you know, t- to when people find out about it. Yeah. And so what Sarah was saying before about the reaction... Um, there was uh, was really was just another example of that.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I guess that's one of the things, isn't it? Because for the amount of people that do know, the vast majority support it. You know, we see local communities coming out um, in, in in support. You know, some communities who aren't normally uh, as engaged in mainstream um, politics, but do feel outraged enough that they have an Israeli weapons manufacturer on their doorsteps to Take action against it. And I guess one of the key things of Palestine Action is our main strategy is not to get media, it is to be disruptive um, and to disrupt these mm. weapons manufacturers as much as possible. Um, and, you know, with that, some media does come. Um, but I think we're well aware, you know, at this point in time and obviously different types of struggles that. Uh, activists who are acting in solidarity, Palestine have gone through um, in this country and the different phases and strategies that we've gone through that, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the ones in power are not going to be the ones um, who are going to support us, but we do have a lot of the public on our side and I guess it's about harnessing that. I think you're right.
5: I think that's the correct strategy that you're taking because you're taking the medium to long term view, and I think you have to do that. And you know, there probably could be. uh, Look, I'm not going to get into sort of naming other groups and uh, and uh, criticizing other groups and stuff, but you know, there are groups on other issues that seem to have the strategy of just. Doing the most high-profile, attention-grabbing thing, which will guarantee instant media attention on for the day, but without looking at the sort of long-term maintenance of your popular legitimacy. So there probably could be other things that you could do as Palestine Action, which would be more shocking. And we, I don't know; I can't think of it, you know, right now. But um, something, you know, but you are—you've got the strategy of of doing things which get a degree of media attention when, it, at times but more importantly you you are you're focusing on the right targets and that keeps your you've got to keep that sort of longer term strategy in place and um i think they're doing that really well and you're sort of um yeah i think you know you've got to keep on doing what you're doing basically
4: yeah yeah no 100% uh thank you thank you for that um yes so um, I've asked a few people to speak, but I think people are ignoring my requests. <laughs> so I'm going to name you, uh, Rev Lumpin in Radio. You were recently in prison. Do you want to talk about about what you think about what's just come out? I'll, I'll I'll invite you to to speak again. But one thing I would say in the media is that there is a lot of effort. You know, put in. Although it's not our main strategy, there is effort that has to be put in in order to get it in the first place. You know, it's not something that's um, that's handed to us. I think I can now you know. speak. Yeah, you can now speak. Go, go ahead.
3: Hello, everybody. Thank you for sharing. Everybody who has spoken. Everybody who's listening, supporting in the background. All these things are important. What well, I thought of that, like Stavitz said, I wasn't. Very surprised, but it was good to have my suspicions confirmed. Yeah, just, you know, if you always follow Palestine action, you can always sense this sort of like collusion because, like, the the posts and the articles and uh, the news just changes all the time. And we think that that's... I mean, I've always suspected there was a way that Israel was ever increasingly exerting its pressure on the CPS... And to see that, um, is definitely validating what we do from from that I was wondering and that's been and, and um, I think we've learnt a lot what we can do from with that information how we can talk about it I actually read the full documents when I was reading this because the link is on the story for Palestine Action on Instagram as well but being a former prisoner what, what can I say about that I mean, there's still trials ahead for, for me and many others, and I do intend to share this with B solicitor, of course. I do think that it can be used as a defence. I think it's something that I'm inherently going to raise because it's something that the jury and the judge should be well aware of, um, and they might even have their own suspicions after you know learning this information in the background themselves. I just think, well I know that we've got to continue to struggle, we've got to continue to support. I, I think I'll vouch for support as somebody who is only out from prison for the enormous support that I got from Palestine Action and other supporters. Um, it got me out. I didn't particularly do much in prison to get myself out but I'm now out on remand, on tag, uh, like a few other other comrades. So if you Listen and think of what can you do to help. Um, definitely get in touch with info at palaceaction.org. Send us a, an email and then see how you can help out because there's very there's, there's so many different ways. And I think I'll go off on that. Thank you. And thank you again, Huda, for actually um, producing this document. If you did have anything to do with it and this article and getting it out there in a, such a mainstream fashion that some people do need just to kind of justify what they're talking about here there's no more conspiracy theories (laughs) it's all legit cheers
4: thank you thank you for contributing yes it was um it was a it was a few of us working on it and and i think that's one of the things that you can get involved in um is you know support is taking action yourself it's joining the media team and it's uh Joining the research team to help us get more of this information, um, more of this information out there. And I think you are right. This is going to raise questions. And actually, something I will say is that when um, um, I was, we had a, a hearing on whether or not we could have defences. We don't have a judgment on that yet. Um, but the CPS, so we asked for disclosure, whole loads of disclosure. And the one thing she kept saying is talking about these meetings with Israel and saying, this is ridiculous. We can't disclose it, et cetera, et cetera. What is this about? And she kept talking about meetings with Israel. Um, and, uh, you know, that point was already like, well, you know, there's, there's, there's loads of things on this list, but you keep talking about that one thing. Um, and here, here we are. You know, we know why they don't want it disclosed. And it should you know, it should mean that judges are more likely to disclose or force the disclosure of more information in these court cases because they at least have to pretend that this system is fair. And I think that's a big part of this, is understanding what playing field we're on, understanding that we're in an uphill battle, that the British justice system is not on our side. But what we can take to our advantage is the fact that they at least want to appear to be fair, and if we continue to expose this information, if we continue to break down that appearance, then it should uh, force some sort of reaction. But I think either way, there's so many of us ready to, who've been in court, ready to go to court to state our case. Um, whatever they try and throw at us, if they try and shut us up, you know, I'm sure a lot of us um, will not be easily silenced when it comes to going on trial and stating these cases. And I just want to say as well, if people do want to support court cases, we've got them all across the country. So wherever you are, there will be a court case, uh, probably near you. There is a trial coming up in London. I can get Highbury Magistrates Court on Thursday and Friday next week. And that was people who took action against the um, London headquarters, which has since been abandoned by Elbit Systems. So that's on Thursday and Friday next week at Highbury uh, Magistrates Court. I'll let Staff speak about their upcoming trial in Manchester, because that's quite sp- soon um, as well. So if people want to support that, but just keep an eye out. We have lots of court cases in Stafford uh, where there are two Elbit System sites in Staffordshire: uh, Elite KL and UAV engines. We have in Leicester. Uh, where they also have an Albert Weapons Manufacturer. We've got lots in Manchester, some in London, and some in Bristol. Staff, do you want to talk about your upcoming court case in Manchester and the details of it?
8: Uh, Sure, yeah, thank you. Um, So, Ronnie and myself are going to stand trial in Manchester in September. The trial is going to commence on September 11. Um, We are charged with the horrendous crime of going equipped uh, on our way to the Oldham um, Weapon Factory, um, um, our alleged offense took place in May 2021 um, while Gaza was bombarded. Um, Gaza was left in that uh, cycle of massacre with over twenty uh, sorry 250 Palestinian dead, including 60 children among them Um, so we were taking action and during exactly during that time and we're going to stand trial and of course we stand then we stand there as the accusers and not the accused we know that right is on our side and we are absolutely confident that we are going to win it Um, you, you are all invited to take part to join us in the courtroom, outside and inside, as we are going to expose Elbit system. um, We are going to um, demand the justice, that justice justice will be served for all those Palestinians that were massacred by um, Elbit's machinery and the IDF uh, as they work together. We have another upcoming trial for our Bristol action, the Bristol headquarters, which we took on the Nakba Day, the 70, uh, 74th uh, day of Nakba uh, last year, for which we were imprisoned for 30 days and uh, remained on tag for another 10 months. Uh, that's going to take place in Bristol in January, and of course, you are all invited. And just got to say, we spent some, we did some time. We, we know the inside of a prison cell. Um, we were on tag. And yet we are still here and we are stronger than, than ever. And we are very much committed to seeing Elbit kicked out of the country. And it's just the beginning.
4: Thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, best of luck at that court case. And like you said, you're going to expose the real criminals are, um yeah, so you can come down to that. And to go down to court cases, literally you can stand outside, you can sit inside the public gallery. Um, you know, they they have to let you in the public gallery. Um and so you can go and sit sit inside, support the activists while they're on trial, uh, stand outside of your signs, etc. Um and you know, you can come if it's for an hour, if it's for two hours, you know, some of these trials go on for weeks, if you come for a few days. Whatever time you can spare, it really um, it really does highlight uh, the issue even more. And you know, it's part of the fight is winning these court cases, is standing up to the system, and showing that none of us are alone. That we are a collective, and that behind every single person in trial, there are hundreds more who will support them and who stand by what they did, and who stand against these weapons manufacturers, and understand that it is necessary to take direct action to stop them, um, and that that is not the crime. The crime is allowing them to operate in this country in the first place. Um, So, yes, so you can call next next Thursday and Friday in London, one in September. We do post them regularly on our uh, social media, but I'm just going to invite South Staff's Palestine Solidarity um, if there's maybe you can talk about if there's any upcoming cases in Stafford.
5: Uh, sorry, Hoda, uh, can I just say um, I got to go now. But um, thanks for inviting me and uh, nice to hear everyone.
4: Thank uh, you. And Thank to you learn,
5: learn a lot, learned a lot. Thank you. Cheers.
4: Okay, South Staffs Palestine Solidarity. Okay, well, um, I just want to thank everyone who has supported us, who's continued to support us, and encourage as many people as possible to share the information that has been revealed and to continue sharing information as and when it comes out. Uh, We need to get this as far and wide as possible. And, of course, we encourage as many people to join us in taking that action against... Israeli weapons manufacturers—they are scared, they are nervous—and so we need to work on that and make sure that they are out of this country as soon as possible. And um, as Sarah mentioned before, you can go down to UAV Tactical Systems—that's Unit F, Meridian East in Leicester. There are people camping outside there all the time, causing a nuisance for the workers, getting in the way of vehicles. So you can go and join them over there um and and yeah so there's so many different ways you can get involved so please do join uh, palestine action um i'm just going to just do a final request for south staffs palestine solidarity group but if you if you can't see my request you can just request to speak should come up in yeah there you go there you go you can you can speak south staffs Palestine solidarity just need to unmute and then you should be able to speak There should just be a microphone button at the bottom left-hand corner. Um, but whilst whilst that's happening, so just to explain, South Staff's politics on to you, are active in Staffordshire against the Israeli weapons manufacturers there and also doing brilliant work in terms of supporting um, activists while they go on trial in Stafford, because obviously as there are two weapons manufacturers there there are lots of cases in Stafford's Crown Court as well as Wolverhampton Crown Court as well. Um, I don't think we can get them on, but I just want to thank everyone again for joining. Do click on the links at the bottom of this. I will um, leave the recording on so you can share it with other people to join. And we are going to do a webinar on Thursday, on uh, on Thursday at 7pm this upcoming week and um, we're going to hear from some lawyers and barristers and other people uh, to hear their opinion on this information that's come out but I think actually just before we leave I'll let South Staff's Palestine group talk there you go you should be able to speak now
9: yeah, yeah. so sorry yeah. about that I, um, I had great te- technical difficulties and um, so, uh, the next trial that we've got coming up in the West Midlands is uh, Walsall Magistrates. That's at the end of the month, uh, the 29th to the 31st, for um, two uh, incredible activists who took action by blocking the gates of UAV engines in Shenstone. They drove two cars into the great gates, um, locked on inside the cars, and caused an awful lot of hassle for. Um, Elbit staff, Elbit security for the police. Um, that happened while we had um, a camp outside of the factory. So um, fantastic action. So they absolutely deserve um, everyone's support. So if you can get down to Warsaw Magistrates, um, like you've already said, Huda, um, any... Any support um, that you can give is is fantastic, even if it's just standing outside and waving a flag for a little while or going inside the court um, and supporting from the public gallery, um, talking to people as they come past, talking to um, staff at the court, um, anybody that's visiting the court. Um, it's it's a great opportunity to, to spread what we do and, and why we do it. Um, so that's Walsall Magistrates. Um 29th to the 31st of August, um, and then we have um, another case on the 7th of September. This one's the verdict for a trial that took place earlier in the month for um, three people who uh, again did another lock on back in July 2022. Um, they will get the verdict from the the trial that they they had earlier. So that's the 7th of September at, at Warsaw Magistrates. Um, I think those are the main ones um, at the moment, but looking a bit further ahead um, in uh, the beginning of October, from the 2nd of October, we have um, a trial that we're supporting at Wolverhampton Crown Court um, for an actionist who took action against the Arconic factory in Birmingham, Arconic um, Supply Materials Um the uh, uh, weapons-grade materials, but they also supplied the cladding that covered um, Grenfell Tower, um, and that were responsible for, for for the horror that that, that happened there. Um, that actionist um, took action in June 2021 um, in solidarity with the the Grenfell victims, as well as um, for Palestine Action, and they will be um, on trial from the 2nd of October at Wolverhampton Crown Court. I think those are the main ones for now. Thanks.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much for adding um, for adding those in. And any of you can go down and support any of them. It is deeply appreciated. As we said, you can join our research team. You can join and take direct action. And you can join our support team. Um, yeah, but also, if you don't want to do any of that and you have some money, then please do uh, donate towards Palestine Action. You know, we don't get... Uh, funding or grants from big places or anything like that everything is just from the generosity of people who support us um and so it all goes towards shutting down Elbit and supporting the actionists um who do that work as well so please do donate if you can and yes um all have a good evening and if you want to join our webinar on Thursday we'll see you all again there and we'll post the link to that shortly on our social media so you can see that all right, thank you, everyone, and let's continue the struggle and shut down these Israeli really weapons manufacturers.
3: Very well said, Hudder and all the other speakers on that space. So, again, if you want to support Palestine Action, please do so where it was just said there on palestineaction.org. And if you'd like to support us, you, you can simply share this podcast, share our podcast in general, tell a friend, like us on social media all these things are free to do and they mean a lot in terms of the algorithm and reaching new listeners additionally if you'd like bonus content and to support us further you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash and we also offer our patreon supporters a chance to ask our future guests in our episodes a question on their behalf But if you're not going to do any of those things, one thing I can guarantee you should be doing is out there with the workers and the lumpen uniting.
0: And a great Parnell When you taught them well And truly persecuted What are the sneers and jeers That you loudly let us hear When our leaders of sixteen Were executed Come on, ship like a and fight me like a man Show your wife how you won Middles down in Flanders out the iron Nature Major run like hell away the green and lovely lanes of Kailashandra Come tell us how you slew them all Arabs two by two Like the Zulus, they had spears, bow and arrows How oh, bravely you faced one with your sixteen the gone And you frightened them damn natives to the marrow Come out, children, I can't come out and fight me like a man Show your wife you Coming fast And I think This day is near When he's shown in traitor He will run Before us And if there'll Be a need Well our kids Will say Godspeed With a verse Of two have singing This fine chorus Come out and Come out And fight me Like a man Show in all of the lanes of